Good afternoon, Lafayette. I said it right this time. Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. We are a week away from my favorite holiday of the year, and I could not be happier uh, despite the fact that they have now erected a giant Christmas tree in the lobby here at Town Square Studios. I'm, I'm, nobody listens to me, apparently. Uh, they have all decided they would rather have Christmas right now instead of celebrating the best time of the year, which is fall. But I won't hold it against them, mostly because they do sign the paychecks. Anyway, welcome to the show. We do have some depressing news. I know it's going to break a lot of hearts. And no, I'm not talking about the Taylor Swift ticket sales being shut down on Ticketmaster. I am, of course, talking about the fact that Nancy Pelosi has announced that she will not be seeking uh, renomination for the speakership in the House. So pour one out for got to pass it before we know what's in it, Nancy Pelosi. Mark is thrilled beyond belief. I don't know why that... I don't know why you would want such a legacy, a two-decade legacy, just ending. Very unfortunate. America will truly miss Nancy. I'm kidding, y'all. I this, I am not in any way, shape, or form going to miss Nancy Pelosi being in leadership. I think it's going to be hilarious, though, when the Democratic Party can't figure out how to handle the squad. Because you know the far-left push from the Democrats on the squad, from from Alexandria Casio Cortez, uh, 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 Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, all of them, you know that their far left push is one of the reasons that that voters are still very hesitant. If you go and you look at the exit polling data from election day, one of the things that's being noted is that nobody likes either party. Right now. In fact, the exit polling in Georgia shows that every voter views Raphael Warnock as more extreme. And they're wary of that. But he was the more likable of the two candidates. He attracted more of the moderate and independent voters. So Republicans do have some work ahead of them. But all all will be fixed. Every problem in the country is going to be fixed because the Republicans in the House have announced they're going to investigate Hunter Biden and his and Joe Biden's connections with his son's business. If you will allow me a moment, and this will make some of you mad, allow me to be contrarian for a moment. What we know from the midterm elections is that the Republican base, the conservative base of the Republican Party is secure. And it's the base of the Republican Party that has called on the GOP to investigate Hunter Biden, investigate Joe Biden's ties to Hunter's businesses. Why do we need to use the investigative ability of the House Oversight Committee to focus on that. What is it going to change? What is it going to do? It's going to keep conservative base voters voting for the Republican? We just proved that Republican base voters are going to vote Republican. We're going to 
have the evidence to impeach Joe Biden? No, we're not. You and I both know that we're not going to get enough to convince the Democrats they should impeach their own guy. So what is it going to do? What is it going to prove? We can use the House Oversight Committee for a lot of useful things that still can attack the Democrats and still can push forward what Republicans are looking for. We can absolutely use the House Oversight Committee to look into the Department of Justice and look into the FBI and what are very clearly political decisions being made in the Justice Department. We can do that, and that would also dovetail into the Hunter Biden stuff because the FBI and the Justice Department have been getting involved with that. They have an active investigation going. Why is the investigation going so slow? Why did the intelligence community get involved when social media was blocking that story from being uh, circulated before the 2020 election? Why does the House Oversight Committee not look into the Biden-era policies that have caused record inflation, that have caused uh, the energy crisis that we're having, the stuff that actually affects the voters? Why are the voters who are questionable on the Republicans but also don't like the Democrats, the people who are concerned about energy crisis, inflation, the economy, all these things, why is the House Oversight Committee's first announcement not not going to focus on any of those issues. Why is it going to focus on something that will have no impact whatsoever? And you know it won't. You know it won't have any impact whatsoever. The new Congress hasn't even been seated yet, and already the House GOP has decided this is what they're going to do. This is how they're going to use the investigative powers of the House Oversight Committee. They're not going to turn up anything new on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Everything they're going to pull up is going to be stuff that we already know because you and I have already read all the stories that the Democrats have ignored. So they're just going to use the House Oversight Committee to do another Benghazi investigation and come up with nothing and everybody just kind of forget it exists? Be a great fundraising opportunity for a while. This is why the Republicans aren't winning election cycles. They are so narrowly focused on things that won't make a difference. They're ignoring the issues that voters are actually really caring about. And I'm sorry. I'm being a contrarian because I know a lot of y'all want the Hunter Biden stuff investigated. A lot of y'all want to get to the bottom of it. And it does need to be investigated. But the Justice Department is doing that. And the Justice Department can't be trusted to not be political. So why not go after them directly with the House Oversight Committee instead of going around them and getting involved, getting you know, interrupting their investigation with your own stuff that won't do anything new? 232-1542 if you want to call in. Before we go to our first break, let's talk to Roger. Roger, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Hey, I was just listening to you in the beginning saying that how it won't do any good to go after Hunter Biden 
But the Republicans always say they're going to do something and never do it. How how do you keep your base if you if you talk out of both sides of your mouth? I think they should go after Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. You got to keep your voters happy. You can't say one thing and do another. But okay, so so how is not going after Hunter Biden? How is how is not going after them? going to uh how's that going to how is not going after them going to run the base off the base is the base is the base they're always going to vote the problem isn't the the problem right now isn't the base we have a bunch of data now from last week's elections that prove that the base isn't going anywhere yeah well when i first called in i just heard how you started but but uh listening to you more it, it makes more sense but People should still be held accountable for the things that they do. They absolutely should. You're absolutely right. They should be held accountable. And, and Hunter and Joe Biden should be held accountable. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But you have one House Oversight Committee, and if you're going to throw them into a big investigation, we can use those resources better, I think. And like I said— yeah, I can... yeah, go I'm on. sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just saying, you know, if you investigate, because we— we have, I mean, there's concerns. There's, there's data that shows everybody is concerned about political uh, investigations, the politicized actions of the Justice Department. And that can get into the Hunter Biden stuff without directly interfering with that, because if the, if the Justice Department and the FBI know that the Republicans are sniffing around, making sure that nobody is being super political in their investigations, it forces the DOJ and the FBI to either be tighter or to run up against the GOP and get called in for depositions. I think it's just a smarter way to handle it than just to say, we're going to throw this red meat out there for our base. Yeah, I can agree with you. I just, I, I just wish everybody would be held to the same standard as the next person. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. All right, Roger, thank you very much well, for the call. I do need to take this break. And we've got other callers on the line, but thank you very much for the call. Let's go ahead and take this break. By the way, at the bottom of the hour, my friend Liz Mayer is going to call in. We're going to talk about how big pharmacy is actually screwing hospitals in rural areas. That is an important issue that gets overlooked. We'll have all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. Uh, sparked a few callers today, so let's go right to the line. We've got Larry on the phone. Larry, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing fine. Uh, I'll start off by saying I don't agree with what you're the the, the uh, position that you're coming from. But I've got a question for you for first, and then we'll go from there. Uh -huh. um, these committees, once the committees meet and they investigate an individual and they find criminal wrongdoing, are they not able to make criminal referrals? They are. Okay, so. So where do the criminal referrals go to? The DOJ. I mean, that, that, it's going to die there. It doesn't matter. It's not going to be in the dark no more. It, we've been in the dark for three years with the Biden administration and Hunter Biden, and it's staying in the dark. Uh -huh. And until I, and I totally agree with what the uh, uh, Republicans are doing. They want to shed line, light. Sunshine is the best disinfectant. And until it gets out in the general public, and then um, if there is something that is criminal, 
I'm not going to depend on the Justice Department to inform me or anybody else. So that's that's the position I'm coming from, you know. And I, um, I and I totally get that position. I, I knew that when I took my position, there's going to be a lot of y'all that disagree with me. And and you're you're laying out you're you're laying out the case as you see it, and we we're looking at it different ways. But but you're absolutely right. Sunlight is the best disinfectant, and these things do have to come out. But the problem is going to be it's still not going to come out because the media is going to ignore it. The DOJ is not going to respond to any criminal referral until there's a Republican president in there. I'm just not sure what all you're gaining other than all of our suspicions being confirmed. All of the Republicans, well, they're, they're, all conservative suspicions being confirmed. I'm not sure what else comes out about well, it, comes out from it. Well, I hear what you're saying, but there are too many alternative media uh, platforms that are out there now. And when you get a, a uh, uh, the general public who are also aware, because we're in the dark still. I mean, we have our suspicions about Hunter and Biden and his uncle and, uh, Bur- uh, you know, Burisma and all the different uh, issues that have been brought up to our attention until someone can really investigate it and tell us, okay, well, we found this. We have it. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's going to go a long way. And then and that's what that's my position. So uh, I can respect your position, but I, I disagree with it. All right. Well, I look, as long as we're disagreeing respectfully and we're not screaming at each other, I think that's a win. Well, I can scream at you if you want. <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. We don't have, no, enough, no, we don't no, have no. enough time left for a screaming match. If I had a <laughs> no, little no, bit more. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All yeah. right. No, no. Yeah, right. Larry. Thank you very much for the call. I've got a few minutes left. Let's get to. Uh, I think we got at least one other call on the line. Hi, we got Mike. Mike, how are you today? Hey, Joe. So I'm too going to have to disagree with you. I think the corruption of Joe Biden is like a massive heart attack, and the economy is a sprained ankle. You know, if we don't get to the corruption that's basically treasonous to where this this man is selling our natural gas to our our enemies, while our own people are freezing in, in, in the dark. And what you just said, you know, the media won't cover it. The DOJ is corrupt. Well, look, if the FBI is corrupt, the DOJ is corrupt, the media is corrupt, our nation is about gone. And un- until we start taking care of this heart attack we have, we're going to be dead. So, again, I, too, respectfully disagree with you. But I think, you know, ethically, we need to do what's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that needs to come out. So thank you, Joe. All right. Mike, thank you very much for the call. Um, and we've got, uh, let's see, we've got a couple minutes left if you want to call in, 232-1542. Uh, let's just, let's go ahead and jump on to the next caller. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who, who are we talking to? Hey, this is Willie. Hey, Willie, how are you? I'm good, sir. Uh, look, I, I understand uh, everything that all the callers are saying and everything, but I want to know, it what is going to change even if we get a republican president even if we get a republican congress what has that ever done for us that's a great question do you understand what what, oh absolutely that's you you are you're speaking my language willie I, i i've never seen the republicans stand up and do what is right for the american people even when we had control yeah you're, you're absolutely right. And the problem is, you know, Moon said it all the time about Louisiana. Um, you know, we, we can elect all the Republicans they want, but if they don't actually vote Republican, what's the difference? I mean, we have two parties in the United States that have basically decided that we're just going we're, we're going to we're going to go downhill. We're, and so we just want to manage the decline. That's all the Republicans want to do. Kevin McCarthy has never held an ideological position in his life. 
he sticks his finger up to see which way the wind is blowing. I mean, that, what's going to change in a Republican-controlled House under Kevin McCarthy? Mitch McConnell is fully invested in getting Mitch McConnell power. What's what's the difference? And, and that's everyone we ever put in Congress, Joe. Exactly. I'm, I'm just... I'm so, so depressed. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to do, but uh, thanks for letting me voice my opinion. All right, Willie, thank you very much for the call. Um, and again, 232-1542. Uh, so we have, we're, we're going to take a break here shortly, get to our bottom of the hour news. When we come back, uh, my friend Liz Mayer is going to talk to us about a growing problem. And it's it's a story that I've kind of been covering in the background a little bit, talked about it here a little bit. But Big Pharma, the, the pharmaceutical companies, have really routinely kind of been screwing the rural hospitals in America. And we're going to talk about that, see what they're up to. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Uh, but let's let's switch gears away from what we were talking about. Uh, my friend Liz Mayer is joining us uh, on the phone today. Uh, talking about an issue that does not get a whole lot of coverage, uh, especially in mainstream outlets, but uh, it's especially here in Louisiana. It's an issue that can impact us. Um, there is uh, the, the, the pharmaceutical companies of America are routinely finding ways to not follow all the rules where uh, where certain drug discounts come into play. Liz, uh, talk to us about just kind of the issue. Now, there's a new study out that kind of breaks some of this down. Yeah, thank you for having me. So um, let me give a little bit of background first and why this should be relevant to your listeners. So decades ago, uh, federal law was signed um, that established a program called 340B. Uh, and basically under that program, the way I describe it to people is that is kind of a swap for pharmaceutical companies getting access to entitlement monies. They agreed that they would sell drugs to particular hospitals um, and providers at a discount, basically kind of as a trade for getting access to taxpayer cash, right? Mm -hmm. And the hospitals that are in the program, they're called 340B hospitals, and a ton of them are critical access hospitals, which are entirely rural. Some of them are also, um, you know, hospitals that have a high proportion of poorer patients that are maybe in more rural areas. But in any event, um, we're in a situation now where you have a huge number of rural hospitals who are in this program. And they, you know, at the end of the day, they benefit, their patients benefit tremendously from it, um, in addition to just drug discounts themselves, which I think everybody can appreciate the value I've given yeah. what's going on with drug pricing. Um, some of the hospitals are able to, you know, if they're dealing with richer patients, they can sell the drugs that they get from the pharmaceutical companies at a discount. They can sell those for like sort of a normal price, mm -hmm. take the profit, use that, you know, to better pay staff, retain staff, things that we know are real problems in rural hospitals. You know, people have a hard time retaining doctors and nurses. Um, you know, my doctor actually just moved to Mississippi because her husband was actually going down there to uh, one of these rural hospitals because they need somebody who is a very, uh, very good specialist in cancer care. And that's what he does. Mm -hmm. um, so this is the kind of thing that they use those discounts for in addition to just the discounts themselves. You know. And the problem that we've had is that, you know, obviously pharmaceutical companies want to make money. We all understand that. I do. Yeah. You do. So do mm -hmm. your listeners. 
But what they've been doing since the middle of 2020 is they've been curtailing a bunch of these sales that they are required to make by law, uh, basically to pharmacies that are associated with the providers. So that's great for their bottom line. And it turns out that what we've learned from this study that the American Hospital Association has just put out is that it's really, really bad for critical access hospitals which are in rural areas, especially those that have 25 or fewer beds. Mm -hmm. So basically what we found is, you know, again, for hospitals in rural America, so that's a lot of red America, conservative America, we have found that the average critical access hospital with 25 or fewer beds lost over half a million dollars due to the curtailment of these sales that are required by law. And when you look at the data, you find that critical access hospitals, so again, the rural ones, were actually hit the hardest. So it wasn't necessarily the bigger urban hospitals that may treat more sort of urban poor people. It really is kind of red America getting screwed here. Um, So it is something that people should be paying attention to, even though it's a little complex and it involves you know, a program that has a very, very not sexy name. <laughs> it's yeah. bad branding. We all get that. But um, it's it's actually very important for people who live in rural areas because at the end of the day, if these hospitals can't keep functioning with the budgets they need, that is going to have a real effect on people's literal health care. And a lot of these drug pricing issues, I mean, we, we saw the Trump administration and, and several Senate Republicans that were actually pushing very hard to force mm. the pharmaceutical companies to to follow these guidelines a lot more. And then the Biden administration comes in and they basically just kind of roll back there. They're not enforcing it like they should. The, pharma- the pharmaceutical companies are really kind of getting away with it now. Yeah, I think um, certainly there are a lot of people out there that feel that the Biden administration could be doing more. Um, I think there are people who felt that under Trump more could have been been done, too, although to his credit, under an immense amount of lobbying pressure that was coming from the pharmaceutical industry, his administration did, in fact, go ahead and set ceiling prices for drugs that were in the program. So that was a very important regulation. Um, So, you know, that did get done and that's now on the books. But, yeah, we still have this situation arising with the contract pharmacies, which obviously began when he was still in office. But, you know, we're, we're here over two years later, and this is the situation. And I'm not entirely sure what the answer is in terms of what the Biden administration could be doing, should be doing. Well, there's a lot of litigation surrounding this, for sure. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do know is... You know, I'm hearing that there are going to be increased efforts in the next Congress because you'll have lots of new members for um, the companies that are big fans of having curtailed these discounts to go in and lobby to basically be treated with a very light touch. And my hope is that where we have new members, especially those that are coming from areas that are being heavily impacted by this behavior, they're not going to be sort of led down the garden path with regard to this and that they will pay attention to the impact in their communities. Because apparently, if you go on this data, it's really, really bad. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about our local area here in Lafayette. It's not a not a rural area. It's, it's a metropolitan area. Um, but I mean, healthcare here and across the state is a major employer in the state. I know it yeah. is in a lot of places, especially these rural communities where uh you know, you desperately need these discounts. They, like you said, it, it's breaking budgets. This is so. This is an economic issue, not only for the drug prices, but also for jobs. 
Yeah, it absolutely is, because at the end of the day, you know, when you're in a situation where for a rural facility, um, you are potentially having to get rid of several nurses um, Mm -hmm. or you're having to ask everybody to take a pay cut, um, you know, or you're uh, making changes to their benefits plans. I mean, all of this has an impact on staffing. And I would add that I don't think this is necessarily as big an issue in Louisiana as it is in other places. But one of the really, really terrible effects of this is when you look at an area like Appalachia that's been hit really hard by the opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the hospitals that are treating those patients are exactly the ones that are going to be and have been hit the hardest by this behavior. And that is treatment that isn't cheap, right? That's not something where if you tell the nurse that you're going to cut her pay by 10 grand a year, that's a good decision that's going to work out well for the entire community at large, setting aside the patient, right? And, um, you know, so you look at, you look at that situation specifically, um, you look at the fact that uh, with the opioid crisis, you've also seen a spike in people um, becoming, you know, infected with HIV. You look at the fact that, Uh, one of the main drug makers that is really, really concerned about rolling back these discounts and limiting um, its sort of, you know, so-called exposure to this program as much as possible is one of the makers of what has traditionally been an extraordinarily expensive, like five-figure sum, Mm -hmm. um, HIV treatment. And the consequences of this are really quite dire for as much as we don't talk about it, you know, with, as with a lot of things in politics, it's the stuff that isn't necessarily on the news that oftentimes has the most adverse effect on average people's lives. Yeah, But absolutely. this is a big one. It's definitely a big one. Yeah. Liz Mayer, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, I know we've been communicating back and forth, but to actually get to talk to you, it's been wonderful. And I hope to get you on the show again soon. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for giving me the time. All right. Not a problem. All right. Let's go ahead and take our break. When we come back, we'll close out the day. Let's talk about, let's, let's give our uh, tribute to Nancy Pelosi, who will be stepping down from leadership. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Last week, the American people spoke and their voices were raised in defense of liberty. That is a quote from Nancy Pelosi referring to the midterm elections, which granted the Republican Party a majority in the House. Great job, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. God bless and have a wonderful ride off into the sunset uh, to be a backbencher in the Democratic Party in the House until you decide to retire. That's what she's going to do. She's going to remain in Congress, but she's not going to take a leadership position. She's just going to sit there and watch the world burn around her. Because Hakeem Jeffries, who is poised to take over, who will be the first African-American leader of any party in the House, he, uh, he will not be able to handle the squad. He will not be able to shut them down and shut them up and keep them in line. He won't have any management over them. Not the way Nancy Pelosi did. Nancy Pelosi cut deals with them. Nancy Pelosi gave them the amount of access they needed, but gave them enough of a platform to speak their mind, and they pushed the Democratic Party further to the left. And with her gone, there's nobody to hold those leashes now. They're just going to be absolutely out of control. And it's going to be hilarious to watch. On the Republican side, though, there is some good news out there. Lee Zeldin, who ran for governor of New York, came very close to winning, took, uh, took, took it to Kathy Hochul, you know. Um, and with his campaigning, with the effort he put in, 
actually got several Republican Congress people across the line in New York, got the Republic, got the uh, basically broke the Democratic hold over the congressional delegation of New York um, and, and got a lot of Repo- helped get a lot of Republicans in there. Lee Zeldin is now sending around an email to uh, people on the Republican National Committee and donors saying he's very seriously considering a bid for chairman of the, the RNC. It's currently held by Ronna Romney McDaniel, who has overseen three disastrous elections for the Republican Party. The Republican Party needs new leadership, and somebody who was as successful in New York as Lee Zeldin was, I think, is a good model there. You know, there are a lot of things in and around the country that were actually good signs for the Republican Party. They did not get the wave they were hoping for and that everybody, left, right, and center, expected there to be. But there were some positive signs. Uh, in, I mean, Florida alone had a lot of great signs and a lot of, of good, good things happening for the Republican Party that can kind of be turned nationwide. Uh, Ron DeSantis winning by 20 in what was, even just a couple years ago, a swing state, uh, getting more Hispanic American, Black American, Asian American vote there. Uh, Across the United States, uh, the national Jewish vote shot up like 10% since 2016 for the Republican Party. In Florida alone, 45% of Jewish American voters in Florida voted with the Republican Party. That's numbers that you don't see. Highest numbers in at least a generation. And those are good signs for the Republican Party, but they need to continue moving forward. Get a guy like Ron DeSantis and get a guy like Lee Zeldin and all these candidates that are moving forward and showing that governance works rather than the rhetoric working. Again, going back to the beginning of the show, the rhetoric that's meant to inspire and incite the base, I don't think is going to be nearly as helpful as actual governance, actually focusing on the issues that are important to voters right now. All voters, not just the ones in your base. DeSantis, Brian Kemp, Lee Zeldin. I mean, Lee Zeldin was a Trump guy right until his right until he got in for the governor's race. And he was all he was about the economy and crime and focused on that and showed New York voters that he could be a serious guy, and a lot of them took him seriously. You don't have to be an anti-Trump guy to win right now. You just have to make the priority the issue that voters care about and moving forward into a future where good governance takes the place of just the insane rhetoric. And that's what voters are looking for right now. That's what we saw based on the, uh, the, the midterm elections. All right. So... These are all positive signs. The most positive sign of all, of course, being Nancy Pelosi stepping down. There are some other things. There's one other story I wanted to get to. You know, we talked with Liz Mayer about uh, about the, th- the the drug program, the 340B program, the big pharmaceutical companies. There's another medical story I wanted to touch on real quick. This is from The Guardian. Europe faces a cancer epidemic after estimated 1 million cases missed during COVID. This is something we talked about quite a bit in the United States. Everybody was focused on COVID-19. Everybody was focused on COVID, the, the symptoms of COVID. You got taken in for COVID, how thing, I mean, everybody, you know, we had all these thoughts on 
uh, what things were being coded as in medical systems. Did somebody die of COVID or was it something else, but they had COVID? How was it charted and all that? Everybody focused on COVID. Every medical professional, every hospital, every doctor, everybody was focusing on COVID. Had never seen it before, had no idea what it was, had no idea how it would impact the world. Everybody focused on that. We missed a lot of mental health issues. There are so many mental health issues right now that we are having to deal with as a society because of the lockdowns and and just ignoring everything. But now there's this. Experts in Europe have warned that the continent faces a cancer epidemic unless urgent action is taken to boost treatment and research after an estimated 1 million diagnoses were missed during the pandemic. The impact of COVID-19 and the focus on it has exposed weaknesses in cancer health systems and in the cancer research landscape across the continent, which, if not addressed as a matter of urgency, will set back cancer outcomes by almost a decade, leading healthcare and scientific experts say. Because we had this absolute just one-track mind, everybody focused on COVID, focused on nothing else. Because of that, one million cancer diagnoses just missed by medical professionals. That's a huge, huge problem. I would imagine that we could probably, maybe not similar numbers, but we could see similar issues arising in the U.S. Other diseases that were missed. I mean, right now, we were all locked down, wearing masks, all separate from each other. And look at us right now. Right now, Louisiana is facing a higher than usual, more active than normal flu season. Flu and RSV is kicking Louisiana residents' butts right now. And you're seeing that across the country as well. And we're going to continue to see that. By the way, go get your flu shot. We need to be watching out for these things, especially the ones that we missed because we were so overly concerned with COVID-19. And we need to move forward. We need to make sure that we are taking the right steps in all this. But you need to watch out for that. All right, we're about to go. I hope you guys have a great one. We are one week away from Thanksgiving. Super excited about Thanksgiving coming. I will, of course, be back again in 23 hours as we get as we wrap up this week, get into the best week of the year. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and, of course, the show notes, joecunninghamshow.substack.com. Shannon is offsides next. I'll talk to you guys again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.